it's about that time. Are we, we rolling up there all good to go? All right, live stream land. Uh, I've, I've been told I've been giving people, what's that? What's that? I forget the name of the condition anyway, epilepsy, uh, because it's been blinking here lately. Uh, our camera's been blinking. I, I got a couple messages this week. You're giving me epilepsy. I was trying to watch, and I wanted to hear it, but, uh, but I said, well, just listen then. Just listen. Uh, I think we got it fixed. We're rolling now. I think we're clear. We're not blinking, so welcome, Internet land, and uh, good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight, uh, this morning. Real quick, a couple announcements. Just keep everybody on the same page. Uh, uh, Brother Kirk Copeland with us today. Looking forward to uh, I'll introduce him in a little bit, but looking forward to having my brother preach for us this morning and tonight. Uh, just remember, Tuesday night, we're come on in, join us, 7 p.m. Bible study. We're doing God's miraculous grace, and uh, I think it'll be an encouragement and a help to you if you, you come listen to those. Men's Prayer Advance right around the corner. It's probably, we're getting close to the end. You can still sign up, but uh, but if you want to join me, uh, you can attend virtually. They're, they are still planning to have it physically as well, so praise the Lord for that. Brother Brother Vaughn and I talked uh, this week, and uh, and he put out a new information because I talked to two or three preachers and they all said, well, he's not having that. It's all going to be virtual. And I knew he was because he was just here. We just talked about it over lunch. And so, so I had him put out, he put out a whole new video to let everybody know. This is where they're going to be live. We are going to, he's going to physically have it. So, so um, a lot of folks were saying they weren't going to attend because it wouldn't be the same. Well, plan on attending because it will be the same. Uh, he's going to do it live. So appreciate that. And you can see some upcoming preacher schedule. Again, good to have Brother Kurt Copeland with us this morning. Be in prayer for our, our search committee. I know they would appreciate that. Miss Brenda. Uh, let, let, let me share this. You, you're going to need to put on your mask when you come up, but we gotta, we got to give you your certificate here. So, so put on your mask so all of our whatever people out there. Uh, I got turn, we got turned into the health department this week. Even though we're socially distanced, every pew's apart, and uh, they said uh, we weren't wearing masks. We were sitting on top of each other. Are y'all sitting on top of each other? Uh, it's crazy what people would do, but anyway. Uh, then the singers weren't wearing masks. They were all the same family, uh, but anyway. Yeah, and, it, and the worst part, there you go. Give her a hand. That's through their Bible certificate. Uh, she's doing our, our, one, of the, one of the opportunities you have. By the way, I haven't plugged that in a while, so let me plug that. On the back, there's two discipleship programs you can go through. The first one we call A to Z. Uh, if you haven't done that, start with that one. That's very doctrinal. That'll help you get grounded in the Word of God and understand the doctrines of what we believe. And then after that, it's more of a practical one. We call through the Bible. And uh, just a great way you say, I, I really want to get this new year started in the Bible, and I just don't know how to approach it. Well, there's two great ways to get started. So just go sign up, and we'll get to that. It leads you through it all. And, and uh, she's completed her second one through the Bible. So, so that's what that's for, and so we're thankful for that. Well, let's do this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's get started with our words. How many come expecting something from God today. I certainly did, and I can't wait to, to see what he has for us. Father, what a privilege it is to once again assemble in the house of God this morning. Lord, thank you for just uh, your faithful people. Lord, even in these times, still coming, still assembling. Lord, we're trying to do it safely, but Lord, we're also uh, not going to disobey your command to assemble to one, uh, ourselves together in the manner some is. And Lord, so we can exhort one another, and we can, we can provoke one another to love and good work. So thank you for that privilege and that calling in our lives. Lord, now I pray for the singing. I pray that it would glorify and uplift the name of Jesus. I pray a little later, Lord, for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, that, Lord, you just bless, the, you bless my brother as he comes to preach. And, Lord, I don't know. Uh, sometimes we don't even know what we need, but we're asking you to search our hearts and, Lord, try our thoughts. We're asking you to, to do a work in our lives.
lives today. We came expecting to hear something, to be challenged from the Word of God, Lord. So, so we open our hearts now, allow you access to do that very thing. If there would be one here who's never had their, a day of salvation, never had a time, a place where they personally trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they repented, they changed their mind, and, and came by faith and put their trust in the fact that you died for them, that you were buried, that you rose again, then I pray that today would be their saving day. Lord, have your will and way in our service. May Christ be magnified and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's go ahead and stand as we jump into the worship part of the service. Um, we were even, last week, uh, we sang, uh, Show Us Christ. And Christ came and he died for our sins. He shed his blood because it's only through the shedding of blood that there's remission of sins. So let's sing this morning that of the power in Christ's blood that he shed for us. There is power in the blood. Lord, you be free from your burden of sin. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Lord, you are evil of victory win. There's wonderful power in the when uh, so many things are uncertain, whether it's um, health-related, 
family, any kind of relationships, whatever the case may be. God has promised never to leave us or forsake us. He's promised that He is sufficient and He will supply all of our needs. We just need to trust in Him and stand on His promises. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, out to Him eternally, my love strong Lord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of around you. Tell them how it's good to see them this morning. <laughs> and at this time you may be seated. Um, professional guitarists this morning. <laughs> I remember whenever Tony was that big. He had a knife. And that well... He's the one who said it, I didn't. <laughs> no, but Tony's absolutely amazing on the guitar, and so thank you, sir, this morning for singing the special. Daily walking close to thee. 
this world of toil and snare. Well, if I fall, Lord, do you care? Who with me my burden share? None but He already knew that song. I didn't teach him that one this week. So. <laughs> uh, amen, amen. I always appreciate Brother Tony playing. Here's, we're going to take a moment and just have our time, a worship time, and just remember worship is. It's a little different than praise. Praise is thanking God for everything he's done. Worshiping is just being in his presence and acknowledging who he is. And so we'll take a little time here to worship him, and then we'll pray. But before we do that, I'm going to ask, uh, just introduce you real quick. Brother Kirk Copeland's with us. Don't confuse that with Kenny Copeland. Somebody say amen. <laughs> uh, this one's straight-laced, amen. <laughs> and uh, it's good to have my brother with us. Looking forward to hearing him preach today. He was a uh, youth pastor, assistant pastor at uh, Franklin Road Baptist. Did I get it right? Down in Murfreesboro and for, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years, 
80 years. How old are you? And I'm picking on you. <laughs> I'll let him do all that introduction. His lovely wife's with us. Glad to have them with us this morning. You come preach after we pray and sing one more worshipful song, and you just come on at that point. And all right. Let's spend a moment just now. You you thinking about the burden. Maybe it's on your heart. Something. How many of you got one on your heart this morning? And let's just spend a moment in quiet with the Lord and, and praise Him for who He is, or praising for what He's done, worshiping for who He is, and then asking whatever your needs are this morning. come to you this morning acknowledging there's none above you there's none like you thank you for being our god thank you for being the true god the only god the authority the creator god the sustainer god lord no doubt all over this room you many hands went up with burdens that are in their lives lord prayer requests they were making from their own personal standpoint needs they have to be met lord and even some wants and desires and Lord, you, you told us to bring everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thank you in advance, Lord, and we're doing that this morning. And I echo every prayer request, Lord, that, and just pray that you'd work in each of those situations according to your perfect and divine will. And, Lord, for our service now, I pray, Lord, as we, we enter into our last worshipful song, Lord, we, we get to a state of, Lord, just preparing our hearts to hear from the Word of God. And, Bless Brother Copeland as he comes to preach, and may Jesus again be magnified, glorified. Any lost sinner in the building, may they be saved today in Jesus' name. Amen. As I uh, mentioned uh, at the beginning, uh, we sang, Show Us Christ, last week. For it is only through Christ that we have any semblance of hope or purpose. And let's continue that thought this week and sing in Christ alone for he is our solid ground he is our hope and our strength please stand and join as we sing in Christ alone Scorned by the words he came to 
It's an honor to be here this morning. It's an honor to be anywhere today, isn't it? Well, we live in some crazy times, but it's good to be in the house of God, in God's house, and, and hearing God's Word being preached. I sure enjoyed Sunday school this morning, Pastor Wells. Thank you. That was a tremendous blessing to my wife and I, and, and uh, it's an honor to be here. My name is Kurt Copeland, and like Pastor said, don't confuse me with Kenneth Copeland. He's my uncle. He's not. That's not me. I'm just kidding. He's not my uncle. <laughs> no relation as far as I know, but uh, he's got a lot of money. I can say that. I, so there's no relation. I, but uh, I, we're honored to be here today. We've, we, uh, my wife and I have been married for 26 years, and uh, excuse me, 27 years. We just celebrated our 27th anniversary. Ah, I just get myself in trouble. January 1st, 1994, we said I do, and uh, we got married on New Year's Day, so I'd never forget that day, and uh, I always have vacation on that day, too. That helps as well, and, uh, but I am thankful for my wife and and uh, she's my best friend and my, and, and my confidant. I, I love her and thank God for her. We have two daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter, her name is Angel. We're still deciding which type of angel she is. Uh, she may be one of those fallen ones. We're still working on that. But uh, she's 23. She teaches in a Christian school down in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Teaches third grade children. We were on the phone with her last night. And she was telling us some of the stories of her escapades with those three, uh, third graders. And uh, having a good old time. My youngest daughter, her name is Gabrielle. We call her Gabby. And uh, she is 20, and excuse me, in uh, nursing school at Pensacola in her second year, sophomore year there. And uh, we're hoping uh, uh, she gets married and graduated soon. Doesn't matter which order that is, just just get on with it. And and, uh, my oldest daughter, she's not married yet, so we are taking applications uh, for her as well. And and, uh, we're glad to be here. Hillsville, Virginia is a special place for my wife and I for the last 15 years or so. We've had the privilege of coming and preaching at camp down the road here. And uh, at Gospel Light Baptist Camp, and, and I've had a great time seeing teenagers saved and, and, uh, and on fire for God, making decisions to serve Christ. And, and so we, we never, never knew Victory Way Baptist Church was here. And so we, we drove up last night and drove by the church and, and uh, spent some time 
praying, just asking God to use today's service in a special way. And, and it's an honor to be here. I mean that. We are thrilled to be here and thankful for the privilege of being in God's house this morning and, and uh, excited about what God has in store for us. Now, I have been a youth pastor, so you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to treat everyone like a teenager. Is that all right? And uh, y'all, I, I believe this. All of us as adults, we're just teenagers in grown-up bodies. That's what it is. And uh, we all like to smile, we all like to have fun, we all like to laugh. And so we're, we're going to look at God's Word this morning, but I'm going to treat you as a teenager. And the uh, Lord called us to work with teenagers there at Franklin Road Baptist Church. And we started there, we served actually two years in Florida as a youth pastor prior to going to Murfreesboro. And uh, we started on June 1st of 94, so almost 26 years as a youth pastor, and assistant pastor, you name it, whatever. And uh, we had a good time with it. And the Lord led us to turn in our resignation back in January. January 22nd was our last day there this past year. And so uh, we've been traveling evangelism since and having the time of our life. And by the way, evangelists starve, just so you know. Um, if I had to rely on, on, on my income as an evangelist, I, I, would, I would be half the man I am right now. Uh, God's given me the privilege of working excavation during the week. And so... I believe, Pastor Wells, we had a hard time getting some connection back and forth because I was out on some machinery running uh, skid steers and track hose and, and, and uh, bulldozers, all that stuff's out there. I have not run the bulldozer. They don't trust me with that one yet. And, uh, but having a good old time cutting in a subdivision. And, and, uh, and, and this past week I was on an uh, uh, off-road earth mover, one of those huge, big old dump tires are six foot tall. And, and it was built in 1952, so it's, it's an old machine. But man, that thing still kicks. It runs and, and uh, having a good time out there in the cold. But uh, it's an honor to be here today. And so thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Enough with the introductions. Let's get to the Bible. How's that sound? And uh, take your Bible this morning. Go to Isaiah chapter number 41. That's where we're going to park here this morning uh, for our text. Isaiah chapter 41. And uh, excited about what God has for us here this morning. In uh, Isaiah chapter 41. You, you ever remember a time in your life where you were really, really scared? I mean, like, it just gripped you. The fear just took hold of you. Um, and I, I've got a silly illustration. I've got a couple of real illustrations about it, but I, I'll save those for later. But some silly illustrations. And, and I remember as a, as a kid going to a small Baptist church in central Illinois in, in a little city called Effingham. And, uh, and I remember the first time going to church. My parents didn't go to church. Uh, my parents, or excuse me, my brothers and I were bus kids. I've got three older brothers. And uh, get this, my brothers, their names... My oldest brother's name is Carrie. That's a girl's name. Just saying, it's a girl's name. If, by the way, if you're a man in here and your name's one of these names, please forgive me. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about my brothers. And uh, my second brother's name, his name is Kelly. That's a girl's name. And I remind them of this often. And uh, my, my, next, my third brother's name, his name is Corey, which Corey can go probably both ways, but you know, Corey Ten Boom, it's, it's a girl's name. And uh, my name's Kurt. I was the only man in the family. But we grew up in, we grew up in that little old country area of Illinois. And, and I remember going to church and rode the bus to go to church. And I had been saved a few years back. I'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But as a, as a young man going to church, I was probably 11 or 12 years old. And I remember the pastor stopped me before the service. It was a Sunday night service. And, uh, I, and he was walking through the crowd. And he was, you know, he, he was hitting teenagers on the shoulder, you know, giving us a hard time. And, and he was shaking hands with the adults. And, and when he hit me on the shoulder, he said these words to me. He said, Kurt, I'm going to call on you to pray tonight. And I remember thinking as an 11 or 12-year-old boy, what? You're going to do what? 
And I, I, I was scared. I, I was scared to death to stand behind the pulpit in our church. And, and uh, there may be half the crowd here and definitely half the size of the room here. And, and, uh, and I remember uh, walking up. He called me by name to pray for the offering. He said, Kurt Copeland's going to come up and pray. And, and I remember I was shaking. Uh, you, put yourself in those shoes. If I, if I called on you today to come up and preach the message, here's my Bible. Here's the notes. Come up and preach. Some of you, your knees will start knocking. Some of you, if I call your name, you turn around and you walk out the back door and say, come to the front. And uh, he called my name, and I, I stepped out, and I started walking to the front. I'm shaking. Uh, I'm literally shaking. And I stood behind the pulpit and, and uh, wanted to go a little lower behind the pulpit and hide. He said, he said this as I was walking up. He said, you know what I love about our young people here at our church? He said, they know how to pray. And I'm thinking, No! He set me up for a failure for sure. And I got up behind the pulpit and I held on to the pulpit, not because I was, you know, authority, but because I was scared to death I was going to pass out. And I remember I started praying, Lord, thank you for today. And Lord, I, literally, I remember this as if it was yesterday. Lord, I thank you for today. I said it a second time. Lord, Lord I, I thank you for today. A third time. And, and Lord, bless this food. And I, I prayed everything but for the offering. I was crying. I remember walking back to my seat. And he stepped back up the pulpit and he said, See, I told you, these kids, they know how to pray. Now, I was scared to death. I remember the first time I preached. Uh, I was just a teenager in high school and, and uh, living there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I, I, I remember that we were on our way to the Nashville Rescue Mission in na downtown Nashville, Tennessee. My first time to preach. And uh, some of the people from, from the old Sword of the Lord, they, we, I rode with them to go and and uh, Brother Solvent was the man in charge. Brother Solvent looked at me and said, Kurt, you're going to preach tonight. You're ready, right? And I, I said, yes, sir. I, I think I'm ready. And, and I, I asked him a bunch of questions. I still do the same thing to this day. I ask whoever's in charge, how long you want me to go? Or how do you want me to do the invitation? Or what, what do you expect from me? And, and things like that. And I asked him, I, I asked Brother Solvent, I said, how long do you want me to preach? And he said, oh, you know, if you go 20, 30 minutes, that would be plenty. Amen? Amen? Maybe 15 minutes. If you go that long, we'll be in good shape. You just go 20, 30 minutes. I said, okay. I said, I should be somewhere around that mark. And I remember I got up to preach. And, and, and picture the, the auditorium, an auditorium this big, full. Uh, the, the ladies were on one side back in those days. The men were on the other side. And, and, and a dr bunch of drunks, derelicts. And, and, uh, and I remember I got up there to start preaching. And, and I got my notes out and I looked up and it, it got stage fright. I just got scared. I was ready to pass out. I was probably 16 years old. And I remember I looked back down at my Bible and I started preaching. I don't know if I ever looked up again. I was scared to death and, and started preaching. And I'm telling you, I know it was easily 30, 40 minutes I was preaching. And I said, let's bow our head and close our eyes and we'll pray to close the service. And Brother Soul will come up and finish the service. And, and, and I, I bowed my head as a little 15, 16-year-old kid and I prayed, and I went back down to my seat. I looked over at the person next to me. I said, how long did I go? And he looked back at me, and he said, five minutes. <laughs> I said, five minutes? No way. It seemed like eternity up there. I was up there forever. And, uh, and he said, five minutes is all. No. And then Brother Sol had to stand up there and speak for the next 50 minutes, trying to fill the time. And uh, you, ever, you ever been scared? You ever had that fear? But we live in some times today that, ah, we don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? We're honestly, if, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll take our eyes off of the sure foundation of God's Word 
And we'll put our eyes on the circumstances of life. A great biblical example of that would be Peter. Remember Peter? By the way, Peter gets a bad rap in the Word of God, doesn't he? Man, we, we, we tend to give Peter down the road. By the way, it was Peter who preached at Pentecost. And God did an unbelievable work. But we look back on the early years of Peter, and we, we look at how Peter had a huge mouth and never listened. You know, Peter was always willing to give his opinion, wasn't he? He'd open his mouth, stick his foot in, maybe sometimes both feet at the same time. By the way, I'm a lot like Peter, I think. Uh, sometimes my brain doesn't kick in gear before I open my mouth. My mom used to tell me that all the time growing up. Maybe you had the same problem. And uh, my mom used to say, you have one mouth and two ears. You need to listen twice as much as you talk. Kurt, stop talking. You get yourself in trouble. And, and, and sometimes we're like that. Peter was that way. Peter, Remember when Jesus came to Peter and said, uh, this night I'm going to be betrayed? You know, you're going to turn my, people are going to turn their back on me. And what was it? Peter said, I'll never, I'll never deny you. And a few moments later, Jesus is rebuking Peter. And a few hours later, Peter's out and literally three times denies Christ. Peter, Peter was the one who always opened his mouth. R remember when Jesus had fed the multitudes out on the, on the hillside, fed the 5,000, and, and after that it all happened, the feeding of the 5,000 took place. Jesus looked at the disciples, and again, I'm just, y'all are the smart, the smart church members. I'm the dumb youth pastor. So y'all, if I mess up something, you feel free to tell me, okay? But Peter was, he, uh, Jesus was there, he fed the 5,000 with the, the five loaves and the two fishes and the, the Captain D's meal. He, he took that little Captain D's meal, and he broke it, and he blessed it, and he divided it up. You remember the, the 12 disciples? All 12 of them were there that day. And they picked up baskets full of food. And the Bible says they took those baskets to the people who were seated throughout the hillside. And they fed the multitudes with the five loaves and, and, and the two fishes. Pretty amazing miracle. Peter was one of those disciples. Peter was one of those guys who picked up those baskets. And I can imagine Peter. Peter was that loud, bombastic type preacher. Like, whoa, he's hollering and screaming. I can just imagine this. It's not in your Bible. I can just imagine this. Peter was the guy running down, I got some more, let's go. And he's handing out a basket, and he pulls the basket, goes back and gets some more from Jesus, and takes another basket. I got more, and he's running, he's feeding, and, and man, what a revival time's taking place. Just an amazing thing. As soon as the feeding of the 5,000 took place, or finished, Jesus sent the multitudes away. Do you remember? Jesus went apart to pray. He went to a mountainside to pray. Matter of fact, earlier that day, they got the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And so Jesus goes to the mountainside apart to pray. And he tells the disciples, get on the ship and go to the other side. Go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And the disciples get in that boat and they start going across the sea. You remember the story? They get across the sea, halfway across the sea, the sea and the storm starts rocking the boat. To the point where the disciples think they're literally going to die. They start, they start doing everything they can as fishermen, people used to being on the water. People who know how to row a boat. People who know how to occupy a ship. They're, they're on the ship, but yet they're fearful of their life. And they look out across the water. Do you remember what they saw? The, the Bible says they thought they saw a ghost. It was Jesus walking on the water. Remember the story, Jesus walking on the water? And, and, and do you remember what took place next? Peter hollers out to Jesus who's walking on the water and says, Lord! If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I can imagine the other disciples. Peter, shut up. 
By the way, I'm not even allowed to say that word, so forgive me, I didn't just say that. My wife said, don't tell her I said that. And uh, Peter, stop talking! Peter, there you go again, you're opening your mouth. You, you, you know you can't walk on the water, Peter, stop it! Jesus says, okay, big boy, maybe not that way. Come ahead! Come on, walk on the water, come to me! I can just, I can just picture this in my mind. Peter sits on the edge of that boat. My wife and I, uh, November of 2018, we had the privilege of going, end of November, early December, of going to Israel. We got to, we got to get on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Pretty amazing. It wasn't a stormy day, but it was a windy day. And our boat was a rocking. I, I could just imagine, as we were there on that sea, I, I could picture Peter sitting on the side of the boat, throwing one leg off the edge of the boat, and the other disciple saying, Peter, stop! The winds are still blowing! The storm is still there. Peter throws one leg out, throws the other leg out, and he sits on the edge of the boat. And the other disciples say, No, Peter, don't do it. Jesus saying, Come on. Come unto me. Peter jumps out and lands solid on top of, on top of the water. What an amazing miracle. Only two people in all of, of time have ever walked on water. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Peter, the loudmouth, know-it-all preacher. Peter walked on the water. You say, oh, but you didn't read the rest of the story. And there we go. We give Peter a hard time, right? Peter's one of only two people who ever walked on the water, and yet we look and say, yeah, but he sunk. Or sank, excuse me. Peter walked in that water. You say, how far did Peter walk on the water? We don't know. We don't know if it was if it was five feet. The Bible doesn't record this. We don't know if it was a hundred feet. We don't know how far away Jesus was. But we know that Peter jumped out of the boat and he started walking on the water. How long did Peter walk on the water? As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, when he beheld the winds and the waves boisterous, when he saw the circumstances of life, when he saw all the problems that were going on around him, the Bible says, then's when he sank. That's when the trouble of life really took... All the storms are there. And what I learned from the, from the Apostle Peter is this. The storms of life are around all of us, aren't they? Well, we could pass the microphone around and everybody... With a mask, of course. We, we could pass, pass the microphone around and everybody could tell of some negative circumstance in your life. Something that's taken place during your history, during your life. Maybe it's a job issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a health issue. Every one of us could say, maybe it's a parent issue. If you're a young person, can I tell you, no such thing as a perfect parent. All parents mess up. And by the way, if you're a young person, don't say amen right there. It's not a good time to say amen. All parents mess up. I've got two daughters. I cannot tell you the number of times I looked at my daughters and I said this. You know, we're just learning this. We've never done this before. We're first-time parents. We've never done this. We're learning on the job. And it's tough. And then you get one child, you figure out something with one child, and it's totally opposite for the other. Man, it, 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 it's crazy. Can I tell you, as long as you keep your eyes on Christ during your storms... Christ helps you through those storms. In this passage of Scripture in Isaiah, Jesus gives us some amazing 
some amazing truths. And I want to look at this in Isaiah chapter number in Isaiah chapter number 41. Let's let's begin at verse number one. Isaiah 41, we'll get to our text right here. Isaiah 41, verse 1, the Bible says this. Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings. Who, who, did, who, did God, who was it that allowed that to happen? He gave them his dust to his sword and has driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? So in, in this these first three, three and a half verses, Jesus looks at the people and He says, who's done all these great things in your life? Who's supplied all your needs? Who's given you the leadership? Who, who is, who has given the blessings over and over and over again in your life? The a rhetorical question Jesus is asking through Isaiah. And he gets to verse number four, halfway through the verse, and he says this, I the Lord, he answers his own question, I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The isle sought and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped everyone, his neighbor, and everyone said unto his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smooth, smootheth with the hammer, him that smote with the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he that fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. Here he's talking about the encouragement they gave for each other. God's in control. They're, they're rehearsing. God said, I've done it for you. They're rehearsing it. So they started encouraging each other in the work that they had. God's in charge. God's doing what He's wanting to do. Be of good courage. Don't be dismayed. And He goes on. We're almost to the text here. He says in verse number 8, Be thou Israel, But thou Israel art my servant, Jacob whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof, and he said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Verse number 10, my text. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. In this passage of Scripture, I love what Jesus does. He lays out a case here. And ultimately, he tells the people, Fear not. Fear not. Don't worry about the things that are going on around you in your world. Fear not, for I am God. I've entitled the message today, Fear Not. Let's pray and we'll look at the Word of God here for just a few moments and see what God has for us. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. God, I thank You for Your love. I thank You for the privilege that we have to gather together today. And Lord, look at Your Word. May God, You speak to our hearts. Lord, what I have to say as a human being means absolutely nothing. But God, what you have to say can change lives. Lord, would you help us? Lord, if there's someone here that does not know you as their Savior, as pastors already prayed, Lord, may today be the day of salvation. And Lord, I pray for Christians who've gathered today in a time in our world where there's so much uncertainty. God, would you give us a spirit of fearing not? Lord, help us to trust you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for being our Savior, for being our friend. And Lord, help us to 
be encouraged in your word here today as we look at it. For it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I look at this passage of Scripture. I love what Jesus does as he lays out this case, as God does. And, and, and by the way, the, the word that was written back in Isaiah's day is the same word that's written to us here today. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is profitable for us today in 2021, just as it was in Isaiah's day some four or 5,000 years ago. God's Word is still, still powerful and still applicable for every one of us here today. And Jesus, or God, looks at, at Isaiah and He says to Isaiah and God's chosen people, He says, hey, fear not! There's so many things that are going on in life, but I'm your God. I've got things already mapped out. I know what the future holds. God's on the throne. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, don't we? Jesus Christ is still on the throne. I, I love to say this. God Almighty has never looked down from heaven and ever said, oops. Did you get that? God's never looked down and said, oops. God didn't say, oops, when you lost your job. God didn't say, oops, when you had that child. By the way, child, God didn't say, oops, when He gave you your parents. God's never looked down and said, oops, when there was something that, that went wrong in your home. God has never been surprised by the things that's taken place in our life. God's on the throne. God knows you, and God loves you. I look at this passage of Scripture, and I see some points that I really want to pull out. And I'm actually, I wrote some points down this morning. I'm, I'm going to reverse some things on it. If, if that's, you don't even know that. I don't even know why I'm telling you that. I'm going to give you some things in, in, in a different order. I wrote down number two in my notes, number one in your notes. I wrote this down. He is my God. Look, look what Isaiah, what's said here in Isaiah. The Bible says this in verse number 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be thou not dismayed. Listen to what he says. For I am, help me out there, thy God. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life, the one who, who controls the oxygen valve for you and me right now today. That same God, he says in Isaiah 41, I am thy God. I'm your God. Make this personal in your life. But I remember in my life growing up, I remember going riding that church bus, going to church. I say church bus, most of the time it was a van. It was a little small church. I was born in a little city named Pekin, Illinois. And then my parents moved down to Mattoon, Illinois, about two hours south. And I lived in Mattoon most of my, my younger years, from, from five years to 14 years old. I lived there in Mattoon and rode the church bus going to church. I remember going to church and I'd hear the preacher get up and preach and he'd holler and scream and spit and snot and all those kind of things. And he, he, he was, he was a loud mouth, leather, mung, uh, leather, that guy, leather young, leather lunged preacher. Slow down, Copeland. I mean, he can let her fly. He, 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 and I remember sitting in that church service thinking, wow, man, he believes God's his God. And as a young person, I remember going, and, and every now and then my mom would go to church, hardly ever to my dad, but my mom would go every now and then, my brothers would go. And I remember sitting there sometimes thinking, man, he is God for everybody around here. But it became a point in my life sometime a little bit later where I realized he's not just everyone else's God. He can be my God. I remember it was early in January. Tomorrow is my, my, my birthday, my spiritual birthday. Uh, January 11th, 1982, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But I, I remember as a young man sitting in, in a uh, church service, probably January the 8th or 9th, somewhere around there, on that Sunday morning, the pastor got up to preach. And I remember as he was preaching, just as a, a almost 11-year-old young man, I remember sitting there thinking, ah, you know, if I die right now, I'm going to spend eternity in a place called hell. 
And as a little 11-year-old boy, I'm telling you, that plagued me. My parents owned a roller skating rink. The, the Rhythm and Roller Skate Center, our house was actually part of the roller skating rink. If this were the roller skating rink, and I don't mean to say that about the auditorium, please forgive me for even doing that, but our house would literally have been right through that door. Our house was part of it. For 11 years of my life, I lived right there. Nine years of my life, I lived right there in that roller skating rink. And, and the, the, the church bus would pull into the parking lot of the roller skating rink. And we'd go run and get on the church bus and go to church. My parents said, great, it's free babysitting. Get them out of here. And then uh, the church, I remember, I remember sitting in those church services and thinking, if I die right now, I'm going to spend eternity in a place called hell. That Sunday, the church bus came back or the church van came back and dropped us off in the parking lot. And I ran in the, in the front doors of the roller skating rink and my mom was over in the snack bar area. And I ran over to the snack bar area and I said, Mom, tell me when I got saved. Tell me about when I got saved. I, I don't remember. Mom, can you help me? And I remember my mom sat down and she said, Kurt, we, we, your dad and I, we drove you to First Baptist Church in Pekin, Illinois. You were probably four or five years old. And we met with a pastor. And she said, I think it was a Saturday. And, and, and the pastor prayed for you. And that, that's when you got saved. And I remember looking at my mom and said, okay, thanks. As I walked away, I thought in my brain, I thought, I don't remember anything about that. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't, you'd think something like that, that, Going and meeting the preacher, that's a pretty scary thing. I remember that. I, I don't know anything about that. And, and I remember walking away from my mom and then going back to church that night. The pastor picked us up in his car on the way back to church on Sunday night. And I got back in his car and we rode to church that night. I don't remember a thing the preacher preached that, that Sunday night. Because in my mind, all I could think about was, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. By the way, I'm not preaching doubt. I'm preaching assurance. I'll get there. Yeah, I remember getting to church that Sunday night and thinking, man, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I, I want to know I'm going to heaven. Because Monday morning early, like 4 in the morning, I had to get up. Like at 4, four in the morning and get out in the, in, on the front porch of the roller skating rink. We'd pick up papers, packs of papers. And I had to get out and fold my papers and stick them in my paper bag and put them on my bike and ride uh, three quarters of a mile up Highway 45 to deliver my papers. This, this was wintertime in Illinois. It was cold. You put on those ski masks with just the eyeballs and the mouth. As a living year old boy, I'd go out early in the morning delivering those papers and Halloween had ended and, and you know, they put all those decorations out for that. It's scary as a little boy throwing the papers and hearing them. You know, it scared me to death. I, I'm not making this up on my paper route. There was a cemetery right in the middle. My paper route went around the cemetery. I could have delivered my papers and been home 30 minutes earlier every day if all I did was ride my bike through the cemetery to get back out. Uh-uh. I am not doing that. I, there's no way I was going to do that. I remember riding my bike back down that highway, getting back home, still dark outside. You don't see anything. I, I'm riding as fast as I can because the boogeyman is chasing me. I'm riding as fast as I can. Get back in and skid the tires as I get into the parking lot and, and, and don't even park the bike. Just jump over and go in because he's right on my tail. He's going to get me. That Sunday night, all I could think about was I'm going to die and I'm going to go to hell. I'll spend eternity in a place called hell. And I bargained with God. Maybe you've never done this. I bargained with God that Sunday night. God, if you let me live till Wednesday night, then God, I'll get saved Wednesday night. I, I was the church brat. I know you're saying, and we have you preaching? It was a, that was a couple of years ago anyway. I was the church brat. I got called down in church all the time. 
I was the one talking or making noises or laughing. I, that was me. I got kicked off the bus probably a dozen times. Picking on other kids or doing something I shouldn't be doing. I, I remember sitting there that Sunday night bargaining with God. God, if you let me live till, next, till Wednesday night, I'll, I'll get saved Wednesday night. Wednesday night rolled around. There was probably 15 people total in the church. Nine of them had the last name Amstutz. That was the pastor's name. And there I sat, third row back, the, the quarantined row. It probably should have been quarantined when I was there too. I was on the third row back, right, right behind where you're sitting. And the pastor preached. I can't tell you one thing he said in that message. Probably won't be much different than today's message either for you. But I, I can't remember anything, but I remember this. Wednesday nights, our pastor hardly ever gave an invitation, Pastor Mike. It was just family. I remember sitting there in my seat and pastor preached the message. And The whole time as I sat there in my seat, I was scared to death that I was going to die and go to a place called hell. Am I okay to move around a little bit? And I sat there. I'm trying to keep six feet. I remember sitting there thinking, I don't want to die and go to hell. I don't want to die and go to hell. In the back of my mind as a 10-year-old kid, I was thinking this. Ha, at least... I know he's not going to give an invitation tonight because it's Wednesday night and he never gives invitation on Wednesday night. And then he closed his message. He bowed his head and he prayed. And after he prayed, I was getting ready to walk out of my, my, my aisle and go out to shoot a basketball out of the parking lot. And he said this, folks, he said, I don't, before I dismiss you, I don't know why. But tonight I feel like God wants me to give an invitation. I was like, oh, no! You can't do that! And he gave the invitation. Tears coming down both cheeks. I stepped out of my seat, took Pastor Norm Amstutz by the hand, right in front of the Lord's Supper's table. He said, Kurt, what would you come forward for? And I said these words. I said, I don't want to die and go to hell. He said, well, that's not a good reason to get saved. Well, Pastor Wells, you're much smarter than me. And you've studied the Bible probably a whole... I've been a youth pastor, so I haven't done a whole lot of Bible study. That's a joke, by the way. But I've never found a bad reason to get saved. And that Wednesday night, I went up the two steps on this side, and he knelt with me on little chairs that were sitting up on the platform, and he showed me from the Word of God what it meant to make Jesus my God. To have a personal relationship with the Creator of the universe. Jesus Christ, Psalm chapter 31, I think it's verse number 5, verse number 11, David says, Thou art my God! You're my God! You're my God! Hey, can I ask you this morning, is Jesus your God? Have you made Him your God? And your, Not your mama's God, not your daddy's God, not your grandparents' God. Is Jesus your God? You say, well, you're getting awfully loud. No, I'm just trying to, I've got a passion about this. Is He your God? Has there been a day in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You may be here today, well, Sonny, I've been, I've been a charter member. I, I, I'm not asking how long you've been in the church. I'm not asking how much money you've given in an offering. I'm not asking how good you've been to old people. I'm asking you, have you ever made Jesus Christ your God? Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, not could be. We had a guest preacher come to our church when I was at Franklin Road there as youth pastor. 
And uh, he, he was an evangelist, and he got up in the pulpit, and he said, I'm so confident I'm on my way to heaven, I could swing on a rotten Tarzan rope over the pit of hell and <laughs> at Satan and not have a fear of ever spending a moment in the place called hell. I remember thinking, that's one crazy man. But that's confidence in knowing where you're going when you die. Hey, I remember the date. I, it was 8.45 p.m. January 11th, 1982. Pastor Norman Anderson, Matt Illinois. I, I remember details. I can tell you the color of the carpet. I can, tell, I can tell you every detail. It meant that much to me. You may sit there and say, I don't know that I can tell you all those details. You know what? The details really don't really matter except for this. Do you know you're saved? Has there been a time in your life you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You say, you're, you're talking to the cream of the crop of the church. I understand that. Do you know you're saved? Is He your God? You may be joining us online today. Do you know He's your God? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? And I look in this passage of Scripture. God Almighty looks at Isaiah and He says, there in verse number 10, He says, For I am thy God. I am thy God. How can you have confidence? How can you keep from fearing in 2021? In, in the times we live, number one, you got to know, He is your God. He's my God. I made Him mine. Number two, I see this in the passage of Scripture. I see that not only is He my God, but He is my strength and my help. Look, look what the Bible says. Verse number 10. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Well, we live in a day where we can figure it out on our own. Don't, don't we live in that kind of a day? If you don't know how to do something, Google it. Google knows how to do it. I've got a truck and I've got some issues with the truck that I'm working on right now. And uh, rather than paying a mechanic, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google it. I'm going to spend the time, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to figure out how to fix it myself. Hey, you know, there's some things that's okay to do. There's some things that's okay to, I'm going to work my way through this, I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to get the job accomplished. But when, we, when it comes to life, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I want to be your strength. I want to be your help. I want to be the one that comes alongside. I want to bear the burden for you. The Bible says, casting all our care upon Him, for He careth for you. Do you know God knows the needs you have long before you ever have them? Kind of, a, kind of an odd thought, isn't it? I don't know what tomorrow holds for the Copeland family, but I know this, God does. Therefore, I can trust God. He wants to be my strength. He wants to be my help. He wants to come alongside and meet the needs for me. Hey, if you're a student in school, guess what? God wants to be the one to help you in that class. That teacher who gets on your nerves. By the way, if you're an adult here, think back. You'll remember the day. Remember that teacher that you're like, ah, oh, do I have to put up with that teacher? And, and, and maybe you were homeschooled. <laughs> Sorry, moving right along. That, that person who, that, that, that worker at work, that coworker who you get there and you know they're just going to rub you the wrong way. They're going to make life miserable on you. I, I'm doing this excavation work during the week and man, I'm having the time of my life. I really am. Second day on the job, I'm on a skid steer. This was back in February, I believe. Somewhere around there. February, March. Second day on the job. The, the boss, he was in my Sunday school class, the couples class that I taught there at the church and and he, he caught me and he said, hey, Kurt, why don't you come work for me? I, I'll, I'll, I'll train you. We'll have a good old time out there. And he said, it's just me and you on the job. And I said, great. I said, we'll do it. And so second day on the job, I'm on a, on a skid steer, a little bobcat, track, track uh, wheels. And, and I'm, I'm running it, just joysticks. So if you play video games, you, you can handle it, I guess. And, and I don't play video games, so I guess I'm in trouble. 
And I, I'm moving a pile of dirt from one area to another area. And that was my whole job for the, the entire day. When I say a pile of dirt, I'm talking about a pile of dirt as big as this auditorium. Sealing down. I'm, I'm talking about a huge pile of dirt. And I'm going over and I'm scooping it one bucket at a time, moving it from one spot over to another spot. And as I'm moving it, I've not really operated a skid steer before. It's a closed cab, glass on all sides. And, and uh, I'm in there, I've got my, my phone on the Bible app. I'm, I'm listening to the Bible while I'm working and having a big old time and just, just having a meeting with God, having a big old time and learning. You know how you get a little bit more comfortable as you do things? You get, you get maybe a little relaxed. Sometimes that's not a good thing. And, uh, and here I am, my second day on the job, I'm operating this skid steer, and it's a pretty powerful piece of equipment, I'm moving the dirt, and I, I, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we get off at 5, and, and so it's probably more like 4 o'clock, and I, I'm, I'm moving, and I, I'm really becoming very efficient, I mean, I'm, I'm getting fast, I've got it in rabbit gear, I'm picking the dirt, moving it, and as I'm getting to the other pile where I'm getting ready to dump it, I'm raising the bucket while I'm approaching, rather than getting there and then raising it and dumping it. So I'm, I'm doing multiple things at the, at the same time. And it rained the day before, so it's a little muddy out, so the thing slides. It's really fun to play in the mud. And I'm moving. I didn't realize that I was rutting up the ground with the paths I was taking. And as I've got that bucket, I'm moving. It's about 4 o'clock, and I'm, I'm raising that bucket, zipping along, and I, 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 nosed, I did a nosedive. I hit a, I hit a hole. The bucket's up, so everything went flying forward. It's just my second day on the job. I didn't realize there was a seatbelt in the skid steer. It has lap bars that come down. I kind of thought that was the seatbelt. But uh, that didn't stop me. I went flying forward. My face met up close and personal that front glass. There's a metal bar at the top of that, about four inches from the top of the cab. Not only did it throw me forward, but it threw me up and forward. And my nose hit that metal bar. My face print was on the glass with the blood now coming down the glass. I broke my nose the second day on the job. It was embarrassing. I remember the boss come driving around where the side where I was at. And I, I, was, I didn't know what hit me. It about knocked me out. I got out and I was standing on the dirt right next to the thing. I saw him coming. I was like, oh man, I, I can't get this bleeding to stop. I don't know what to do. And I, I don't want him to see it. Finally, he honked the horn. I turned around. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. He said, what happened? I said, I don't know. Some guy jumped out of the woods with a baseball bat. I, 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 I hated even telling what really happened. I, by the way, I did not say that. But I wanted to say that. I was embarrassed. He said, what would you do? And I told him what I did. He said, well, let me teach you some things. You know what he was doing? He's coming along being a strength and help to me. Hey, church, get this. That's what God wants to do in our lives today. Yeah, we live in some crazy times. Man, our world literally seems to be turned upside down, doesn't it? Right is called wrong, and wrong is called right in the society we live in right now. We can't figure out what bathrooms to use. We can't figure out what gender of the, what, 52 types of genders there are out there. We can't figure out. Our world is messed up. That's why Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, I want to be, I want to strengthen you. I want to help you. I want to give you the, the, the things you need in life to make it through. Well, how do you get those? Well, by the way, before I even get there, look if you would please over in Psalms, Psalm chapter number 31. As a matter of fact, you don't have to turn there. I've got it marked in my Bible. I'll read it to you. Psalm 31. The Bible says in, uh, in verse number 3, the Bible says, For thou art the psalmist David saying this to God, 
For thou art my rock and my fortress. You're my safety. You're my strength. God, you're the one. And God, I rely on you. God, I cannot do this on my own. Gentlemen, that's hard for us to admit sometimes, isn't it? As a man, your wife leans over and says, Honey, you going to stop and get directions? <laughs> directions? Nah. I know what I'm doing. You're putting something together. You know, you got something for Christmas for your kids, that play thing, and, and you open the box, and there's the directions, and you toss the directions to the side. I know you all don't do that. Y'all are smarter than me. I toss the directions to the side, and I start, oh, well, that has to go there, and that has to go there. Oh, I should have put that on first, so you got to take it off and put it back on again. And then you have like 15 extra parts left over. You're like, well, we don't need those. Look, it operates fine. We don't need directions. We don't need someone telling us how to do it. We know. Hey, can I tell you? God says He wants to be our strength. He wants to be our help. God wants to have the liberty of helping us in the circumstances of life. In order for that to happen, you know what we have to say? You mentioned Romans chapter 8 this morning. Lord, whatever you want, I'm yours. God, I surrender it all. God, I don't have all the answers. Honey, I don't have all the answers. Those are hard words to say. Honey, I'm sorry I messed up. I don't know how. One of my daughters, she is always, always really, really happy as long as everything's going her way. I know you probably didn't have children like that. If you, if, as long as everything's going the way they want it to go, they're happy. But as soon as something's not the way they want it, ruh -ruh, raggy, it's trouble then. And, and can I tell you, we're all that way. Sometimes we're that way with, with God even. God, why'd you allow this to happen? God, you shouldn't have done this. God, that you, and we start griping and complaining. And all God wants to do is come alongside and be our strength and our help. Number one, He wants to be our God. Number two, He wants to be our strength and our help. Number three, I see this in this passage of Scripture, He wants to be our sustainer. Oh, I love this. Look, look at verse number 10 one more time. Yea, I will help uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You know, you know, God just wants to come alongside and hold us. Give us that support. Sustain us. Sustain us. Do you know you can't make it on your own? As much as we think we can handle this thing called life, we can't do it alone. That's where God comes into play. God wants to sustain you. Working with teenagers all these years, I used to tell the young ladies, hey, Young lady, you know God already has picked out who you're supposed to marry? He already has him picked out. Pretty amazing thought. Go ahead and put in your order, you know, write down all the things you want, but God already knows who you're supposed to marry. So why stress over it? Hey, a hey, young man, and by the way, I tell the young ladies, you know, he, he can be your knight in shining armor. You know, he can be that, 
that that muscle man, you know, the, the you, you pick the hair color and the eye color and, and, and the muscles and the intelligence and the athleticism. And you can go ahead and pick all those things all you want. And, and, he, and he can be your knight in shining armor. But just know this. A few years down the road, your knight in shining armor is going to become a rusty bucket of bolts. He won't quite be the same guy he was when you married him. You know, when he was younger, he 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 you know leap those tall buildings in a single bound. That was the way he was. And, and now, you know, may not be, he'll go to bed and put on the oxygen mask so he can sleep real well. And things change, don't they? And God just says, I just want to come alongside. I know what your future holds. I just want to sustain you. Boy, can I tell you what comfort that gives in this thing called the Christian life? Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I'm, I'm almost done. Some of you are thinking I should have stopped a while back. I know. God knows what you're facing. God knows the circumstances of your life. God knows the back pain, the foot pain, the gout, whatever. God knows it all. God knows about the doctor's appointment. And God says, I just want to come alongside and hold your hand. Take care of you. That's what God tells Isaiah in Isaiah 41.10. But one of my favorite parts of this whole passage is the very first part of it, point number four. The Bible says, and I'm not in front of my Bible right now, so y'all help me here. The Bible says that He'll never, He won't forsake us. Is that what it says somewhere, that first part? He'll never leave us. Okay, that's Isaiah. That's, you got my next, my, my sub point. Hebrews 13.5. The Bible says, and be content with such things as you have. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For He hath said, God hath said to you and to me, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why did I fear, fear, why was I fearful as a child growing up sometimes? Because I felt I was alone. Riding my bike down that highway, I was alone. I thought. Hey, at home sometimes when no one else is there, you feel alone. Hey, can I tell you, you're never alone. As a child of God, Jesus Christ has promised you, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. By the way, your husband may have passed. Your wife may have passed. They may be in heaven already. You're never alone. God's with you. He's there to help you. He's there to sustain you. He's there to be your strength and your help. God Almighty is your God. Man, what an amazing promise from His Word. He's my God. He's my help. He's my strength. He's my sustainer. And He will never leave me alone. That's the, I didn't understand that as a 10-year-old, almost 11-year-old boy when I got saved. I didn't know what I was getting into. By the way, I never wanted to be a preacher either. And yet, God knew what He wanted with my life all along. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But we know who holds tomorrow. Say, well, how can I have that confidence? I love this verse and I'm done. The, the Bible says, I think I should have studied more. Forgive me. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp. Anyone know the reference to that verse? Psalm something. Yeah. 119.105. Yeah, you cheated. You have it on the, on the front, don't you? That's awesome. Psalm 119, it's okay to cheat and something like that. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word, is that right? 119, 105. 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I remember learning that verse as a little kid riding the church bus going to church. I don't know that I really understood it until I got older. You know the Bible? Put yourself in the time of which that verse was written. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They didn't have those LED flashlights that blind you, like the four, four million lumen light that you, know, you feel the heat off of it when it's turned on. As a youth pastor, I had that kind of a light all the time on trips. I'd blind the teeth. I loved it. They didn't have that kind of stuff. They carried an old school lantern. My mom used to have those kerosene lanterns. When we moved to Tennessee, we moved in an old 1800 style farmhouse that should have been condemned before we moved into it, to be honest with you. We didn't have heat or air. We had a wood-burning stove in the living room. All the floors sloped to certain areas. So if we spilt, if we spilt our, our milk in the morning, it, it didn't matter. You just let it run to the low spot and then clean it up there. It didn't matter. We lived in an old, old, old farmhouse. My mom would decorate with those old kerosene lanterns. And I remember sometimes she'd, for the fun of it, she'd just light them. We didn't need them. We had, we did have electricity. And sometimes we even wore our shoes. Sometimes. But I, I remember we, we'd turn off the lights sometimes and she would write, she'd light up one of those old kerosene lanterns with the, the little wick at the top. She'd put that glass globe back over the top of it. And after a few minutes, your eyes would start to adjust and it, it lit up the whole room. It was pretty amazing. And as kids, we would play with that wick a little bit. You'd turn it where it'd come out higher and the flame would be bigger and mom would, hey, don't really stop that in the black. Anyway, and I remember that little lantern. Help me understand this verse a little bit. Because in the Bible times, they carried this little pottery oil filled with a little wick lantern. And they'd light that lantern and that little lantern would illuminate not down to the end of the path. That little lantern would only illuminate their next step. The, the Bible says that that little lamp would show them the light to make the next step. You know what we've gotten used to in our society? We've gotten used to, all right, five years from now, here's what I'm going to do. And by the way, I'm not against planning. I'm all for planning. But we've gotten so much focused on five years from now that we stop living today. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path so that I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm getting too close, sorry. So that I know what I'm supposed to do with the next step of my life. And rather than worrying about what five years has to hold, I can look at God's Word and I can know what God has in store for me today. I can know He's my God. I can know He's my friend. I can know He's my Savior. I can know He's mine today through His Word. Right there's the problem though. The problem is we don't get in His Word. I'm sure you do. But I'm guilty. I'm guilty sometimes of getting busy. You know, you, you get up and you have, you have good plans of what you're going to do for the day. All right, God, I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have my devotions. I'm going to get in your word first thing in the morning, God, and, and, and the alarm doesn't go off. Or the kids, you know, they woke up sick in the middle of the night. Or the boss called. Or you, you fill it in with whatever excuse. The horse got out. The cow got out. It snowed. We can come up with any, any excuse. All right, God, I'm going to have my devotions later. You ever, you ever said that? 
You don't have to admit to it. I have. I've said it. I'll have my devotions later. I'll get my Bible later. And, and then later something else happens. And then something else happens. And before you know it, you jump in bed that night and you're like, oh, devotions. Oh, I'm so tired though. God, I'll do double duty tomorrow. And the same thing happens tomorrow. And the same thing happens the next day. The same, before you know it, and again, I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm sure you're better than this. Before you know it, you've been a week since you opened your Bible on your own. How in the world do we make it through? And I'm, and I'm done. How in the world do we make it through the times we live in today in America? In our ever-changing, crazy, upside-down world. How do we make it through? Right here. Well, no, I think it's all about my preacher and the preaching I get at church. Uh uh-uh. uh. By the way, I'm not downplaying that. Sorry, Pastor Mike. I'm not, I'm not insulting you here. Forgive me for even saying it this way. I told you I was done. Can I give you one more illustration about that? And then I promise we'll pray and we'll be done shortly. I remember when my daughters were real little. Maybe some of y'all can relate with this. When my daughters were little, I remember we'd go out to eat sometimes. And we'd go to a place like Ryan's or a buffet. And, and, and I remember my daughter's, my, my daughter would be in that little carrier sitting on one of those upside down chairs or whatever. And, and, uh, and so my daughter would be sitting there crying and gooing and you know, all that kind of stuff. And my wife would go get her plate and she'd come back and then I'd go get my plate and come back. And I remember my wife sometimes she'd take, our stories differ on this, but she's not preaching right now. I am. So if she says anything different about this afterwards, don't believe her. And not that, that ever happens, but, but she would sometimes, get her fork and she'd stab a green bean and she'd put it in her mouth. My wife would put it in her own mouth and she'd chew up that green bean and she'd take that green bean and she'd put it back out on a spoon. Kind of gross, huh? And then she'd turn around and she'd take that spoon over to my daughter, Angel, who's innocent, does not have a clue what's happening. And she'd take that spoon and she'd She'd do the O-choo-choo train, and my daughter opened her mouth, and in went the green bean that my wife had already chewed. Pretty nasty, huh? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you did it. Some of you as kids, you're like, my mom ever did that? I'm going to disown her. That's nasty. That's part of life. And I remember my, my daughter would eat. Why would my wife do that? Because my daughter was unable to chew that up herself and to swallow it without choking. It was too much for her. Can I tell you what preaching is? Preaching is your pastor taking the week ahead of time to study, to ingest the Word of God, to chew it, to learn it, to, to know exactly what it's saying, to study the the. The, the history of it, study the background, study the languages of it, study all, and he's chewing it and he's learning it. And then he comes in here on a Sunday morning and you know what he does? Blech. That's what preaching is. <laughs> Sorry, but it's probably a pretty crude way of saying it. If you're living on just a blech, then you're pretty weak as a Christian. Because God says, take his word and make his word a part of your everyday life. And God says, fear not. Fear not. He says it in this passage of Scripture. Let me put my eyes on. He says this. 
Fear not, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I look at this passage of Scripture. And not by my authority, but the authority of the Word of God. I say this to you. Don't fear. Don't stress. Don't worry. Get in God's Word. Trust Him. He's your God. And He loves you. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. No one talking for just a moment. I, I, I don't know how you normally do invitations, and that's, that's all right. In just a moment, after I pray, we'll have the piano play. After I pray. But can I ask you this morning, is He your God? Or were you like me? Were you in the church service week after week after week, and you heard the preaching, and you knew it all, and yet still not sure about heaven? Maybe you're here today, and you're not sure of heaven. You say, well, I can't admit to that. Man, what will people think? Hey, can I just politely say, who cares what anyone else thinks? Who cares? Jesus Christ loves you and He died on the cross for you and He invites you today. Come unto Him. He loves you. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. For God so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son. That's how much Jesus loves you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can trust Him today. And I'm going to ask you today to, to answer a few questions for me. No one's looking around. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And I would never embarrass you for, for anything in this world. I'd never embarrass you. But can I ask you just a couple simple questions? How many say this? How many say, Brother Kurt? Truth is, is I know I'm saved. If I, if I died right now, if my life ended, my life ended right now, I know I'm on my way to heaven. I, it's not because I'm perfect. It's not because I'm sinless. It's because I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've repented and trusted Him as my Savior. If that's you and you say, I know I'm on my, on my way to heaven. I may not be able to remember the date or I may be able to remember the date. It doesn't matter, but I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I've got that settled. And by a testimony to that fact, I raise my hand to let you know I'm a Christian. If that's you and you say, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, would you slip up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. A sea of hands. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You can put those down. Thank you. Can I ask you this question? Maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Kurt, the truth is, I really don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not sure that if my life ended today, that I'd go to heaven. But I know this, I know for sure I don't want to die and go to hell. I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I know for sure I don't want to die and go to that place called hell. Now let me say this, I promise you I would not embarrass you for anything in the world. I will not. But I'd love to have the honor of praying for you. I will not point you out. I will not embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, Brother Kurt, I'm not sure. I'm on my way to heaven, but I know for sure I don't want to die and go to hell. I know for sure I don't want to die and go to hell. Brother Kurt, would you please remember me in prayer as you close the service? If that's you and you'd let me have the honor of praying for you, if that's you, would you just slip up a hand and put it right back down? I promise you I won't embarrass you. I'll just pray for you. Anybody at all, just slip the hand up. Let me pray for you. Anybody at all. God bless you. That means, by the testimony of, of the hands that have gone up and haven't gone up, that we're Christians in the room today. So then let me ask you, are you fearful? Christian, are you fearful? 
Oh, it's easy to become fearful in this world we live in. If you watch the news or read the internet, guess what? You're going to be fearful. Can I encourage you? Turn off the news, shut off the internet for a little bit, and open your Bible. And gain the confidence of your loving Heavenly Father who cares and He knows. He knows what tomorrow holds. He knows what next, week's, what next week holds. He knows what next year holds. Let's trust Him. Let's lean on Him. Let Him illuminate that path for us. This morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand there because truthfully, all of us could raise our hand. But in just a moment, after I pray, the piano will begin to play and we'll all stand to our feet after I pray. When we stand to our feet, can I encourage you? Why don't you find a spot at this old-fashioned altar this morning? And why don't you tell God, God, I'm done being fearful. God, I just want to trust you. Lord, the circumstances of life, just as Peter took his eyes off Jesus, and that's when he began to sink. Lord, I don't want to take my eyes off you. God, I want to keep my eyes on you. I want to keep treading that. I want to walk on that water, God, just as Peter did. God, help me to keep my eyes on you. Would you find a spot in just a few moments at this old-fashioned altar? Join me. That's where I'm going to go this morning. I need today's message just as much as anybody. I'm going to find a spot at this old-fashioned altar here this morning, and I'm going to ask God to help me not to be fearful, but to trust Him. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the power that's in Your Word. And God, I pray today that You'd help us to learn from Isaiah 41 that You are our God, that You are our help, that You are our sustainer, that God, that You'll never leave us. Lord, would You help us to do our, our part? Lord, would You help us to get in Your Word? Help us to stay faithful in trusting You. Help us not to lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge You. Lord, help us to allow You to direct our path. Lord, thank You that You are in control. That You still sit in the throne in heaven. And God, You're, in, you're, on, you're on, on point. You know exactly what needs to happen. And God, would You give us the faith to trust You. Thank You for Your Word. And Lord, as, as You've spoken to our heart, help us to respond. Whether that be at our seat or whether it be at an old-fashioned altar, Lord, help us to spend some time with You this morning. For it's in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the piano begins to play, let's all stand to our feet right there where you're at. If God's spoken to your heart, I challenge you. Why don't you find a spot at this old-fashioned altar? Why don't you let God do something in your heart? Why don't you commit to God? God, I'm done being fearful. God, I'm done worrying. I'm done stressing. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, God. Let's give our fear back to God. Let Him take our fear and supply our needs. As the piano plays, God spoke in your heart. You find a spot at this old-fashioned altar. As a matter of fact, I'm going to the altar myself. I want to encourage you. Give your fear to God. Fear not. Fear not. God knows what He has planned for you. Let's trust Him.
Amen. How many of you think we don't have anything to fear? Amen. This isn't biblical, but fear itself, someone once said, one of our presidents, amen. Thank God we fear not. I, uh, thank God for Jesus. I'm going to ask Brother Copeland, you and your wife would head on to the back so you, folks can say hello and thank you and greet you on the way out and socially distance with their masks. All right, there you go. <laughs> See, I said it, health department, enjoy yourself. Uh, so Anyway, we're going to close in a hymn. Uh, Brother Copeland be back with us tonight. Look forward to that. It was a good message, wasn't it? Amen. What a great challenge to the Word of God. And, uh, uh, and so thank you for being here. See you tonight, at, and we'll close right after we sing. Our closing song will be Victory in Jesus. And as was already mentioned, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then you have the victory and you have nothing to fear. And no matter... and. Uh, I mean, with all this political stuff, with all this COVID stuff, there's all sorts of things all over social media. But uh, something that a number of people have posted saying, hey, look, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, no matter what your health circumstance is, uh, God's already won. Jesus has already won, and this is as bad as it gets for us who have trusted Christ as Savior. Let's sing Victory in Jesus.